Thank you guys. How awesome is that? Today we start a new series. We're going to be talking about forgotten virtues. Uh, Over the next few weeks, we're going to be uh, looking at honor, purity, integrity, loyalty, and gratitude. And those are virtues that God wants us to have in our lives, but those virtues are becoming more and more rare, more and more forgotten in our culture. But just because these virtues are rare, just because they're forgotten in our culture, that doesn't mean we're off the hook. You know, as children of God, God places a high calling on our lives. Unbelievers can act like unbelievers. Quite frankly, that's all they're able to do. Because apart from Christ, that's just how they live. But when you become a a child of God, when you place your faith and trust in Christ, God expects you to live differently. God calls us to be salt and light. And when we dedicate ourselves to live in a way that is pleasing to God, it is beneficial to us and it is beneficial to other people. And ultimately, how we live impacts our culture. That's God's plan. That's God's desire for us. So today I'm going to talk to you about honor. Uh, Sadly, we live in a culture where many uh, of us live without honor. Now, in recent years, I've been fortunate to be able to travel to some foreign countries. I've been traveling in Asia and in uh, India. And both of those are honor-based cultures. Honor and shame are big deals in those cultures. And it was fascinating to me. First time I went to the Philippines, and I had a, a, a kid come up to me. One of the ways they show honor to someone older, someone who they view as important, is when they meet you, they will take your hand and they press the back of your hand against their forehead as they, as they bow down in front of you. And I had a, a kid do that for me. Kind of, honestly, first time it happened, it was kind of creepy because I didn't know what was going on. And then all of a sudden, as other kids began to do that, I began to realize, wow, this, they are showing honor to me. It, it, it was kind of a neat deal. Uh, when I, I speak in India, one of the ways you honor a guest in India is by giving them flowers. And they'll, they'll give me either a big bouquet of flowers or sometimes they'll give me a big garland of flowers that, that I hang around my neck to, as an act of honor. And I always prefer the bouquet because I can set it down and then teach. If I'm wearing the big garland, it makes my hay fever flare up. But I was wondering about that. What if one of those people came to our country and I were to tell them, this is how you show honor to people in our country. What would I tell them to do? And I thought, you know, quite honestly, honor's not a big deal here. It's not important to us. I mean, it used to be that you would uh, shake hands with somebody, that, you know, it was a, a matter of honor to, to shake hands with someone. But, you know, we've kind of reduced that anymore to a high five or a fist bump or an elbow bump or a hip bump. I mean, do that to some visiting diplomat and see what happens. <laughs> but we have become a culture without honor. And today I'm going to show you an example of a story where Jesus Christ was actually limited in what he could do because the people who should have honored him the most honored him the least. Uh, We looked at this verse a couple of weeks ago. It is just so rich that I want to to come back at it again. The context is Mark chapter 6 where Jesus returns to his hometown of Nazareth. Now it's not his birthplace. He was born in Bethlehem. But he grew up in Nazareth, grew up in Galilee. And so Jesus comes back to his hometown after he's been on a preaching, teaching tour in Israel. Uh, He was out teaching God's word, preaching to the masses, doing all sorts of miracles. Turned water into wine, he raised the dead, he healed the blind, the lame, the deaf, the leper, he multiplied loaves and fishes and fed the multitudes. Jesus even healed Peter's mother-in-law, which is why some scholars think that Peter later denied Jesus. 
okay? Just joking, just joking. So Jesus was out, boy, a violent crowd today. Jesus was out doing all these miracles, and then he comes back to his hometown. But he couldn't do much there because there was a lack of honor. There was a lack of faith. Now look what it says, Mark 6, verse 1. Jesus left there and he went to his hometown, accompanied by his disciples. When the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were amazed. Where did this man get these things, they asked. What's this wisdom that has been given to him that he even does miracles? They're amazed at what Jesus had done. And then somebody pipes up and says, isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son, the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? Aren't his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. They said, isn't this the ordinary guy that grew up around here? We know his family. You remember Jesus? He was that irritating kid in school who always knew the answer to every question. (laughs) Isn't this the guy that built your kitchen table? Verse 4, Jesus said to them, Only in his hometown, among his relatives, and in his own house is a prophet without honor. The Greek word there, without honor, is the word atimos. Atimos. It means to dishonor, to treat as common or ordinary. And the flip side of of dishonor is the word timos. That means uh, to value, to respect, highly esteem, to view something as precious valuable to ascribe worth to it now i'm going to give you an example of of something uh, ordinary how this honor thing honor thing works and uh, this is a copy of the purpose-driven life book probably all of you have a copy of the purpose-driven life book if you don't have one we will give you one Uh, we give this book away to everybody who comes to rockbrook and so if you don't have a copy of the purpose-driven life book if you'll stop by the resource table back there you can pick one up when you leave today there have been over 40 million copies of this book sold. It's the best-selling non-fiction book in all of history. 40 million copies. That's a lot of copies. That's a lot of ordinary copies of this book. Now, a couple of weeks ago, I was out at Saddleback Church. I was in Rick Warren's office. He's the author of the Purpose Driven Life book. And I noticed that there was a copy of this book sitting on a stand on the bookshelf in Rick's office. And the shelf was full of all kinds of trophies and awards, the kind of stuff that people would give to you if you wrote the best-selling book in all of history. And on that shelf, there was a copy of the book that made that one book different than the other 39,999,999 copies. Okay? And there's something particularly unique that gave it more honor. And when I realized what it was that gave that book more honor, I knew I had to take a picture of it so I could show it to you. Because this is the book, and if you notice at the very top, it says KC Royals 2004. The Kansas City Royals in 2004 did a 40 Days of Purpose study, and at the end of the study they all autographed the book and they sent it to Pastor Rick. And so Rick has singled out that one copy out of 40 million to put up on his bookcase. You know, the royals honored the book by signing it. They honored Rick by sending the book to him. Rick honored the royals by giving the book that they signed a a place of honor on his bookshelf. See, what is it that honor does? Honor bestows esteem. Honor lifts up the ordinary and the common. Dishonor devalues, 
Dishonor tears down. To honor someone is to believe the best about them. To dishonor someone is to believe the worst about them. Honor lifts up. Dishonor tears down. Now, many of you might think, well, I can't honor this person because they are not honorable. Okay, write this down on your notes. Respect is earned. Honor is given. Respect is earned. Honor is given. You can honor someone simply because of the position that God has placed them in. Okay? Honor is freely given. Oh, I'll treat you with honor when you're living honorably. That's not the way God designed it. In fact, the mystery of honor is that if you treat someone with honor before they are living honorably, the honor which you bestow on them often lifts them up to live in an honorable way. Because honor empowers, honor encourages. And the reason why our country, the reason why my country is the way it is, is because we have been devaluing people by dishonoring them. Watch what a spirit of dishonor does to the Son of God in this next verse. Verse 5, Jesus says, A prophet in his own town and his own home is without honor. Therefore, Jesus could not do any miracles there except to lay hands on a few sick people and heal them, and he was amazed at their lack of faith. Now notice it does not say that Jesus would not do miracles there. It says Jesus could not do miracles there. He couldn't do for them what he had done for other people because there was a lack of honor, a lack of faith on their part. That's how important honor is. And tragically, we have become a culture that is without honor. I mean, you wonder why we're in the mess we're in? It's because we have forgotten the virtue of honor. Now, who is it that we're called to honor? I'm going to share with you uh, several groups that the Bible says that we are to honor. And the first group, if you're taking notes, and I'm certain that you're taking notes, because one of the best ways to honor your pastor is to take notes during the sermon. When you take notes during the sermon, you're saying what's being said is worthy, it's valuable, it's important, it has honor. One of the best ways you can honor your pastor is to take notes during the sermon. Another way to honor the pastor is to fill out the communication card. (laughs) When you fill out the communication card, you say these guys know what they're doing, this is important, they want this information, we need to provide it to them. And so we honor them by filling out the communication card. So, on your notes... The Bible's incredibly clear that we're called to honor our parents. In one of the top ten commandments of God, Exodus 20, 12, we are told, honor your father and your mother. Now, tragically, would you agree with me that we have become a culture that is dishonoring to parents? I mean, you see it in, in everything. You see it in commercials. You see it in the media. You see it in music, movies. I mean, you just see it everywhere. And it has got to break God's heart to see the way teenagers will mouth off to their parents and totally dishonor them. I mean, I hate you. I'm not going to do what you say. I have no regard for you over and over and over again. Folks, this is wrong in every sense. You know, at my house... And if I ask a child to do something, the only acceptable response is, yes, dad, or yes, mom. Yes, grandpa, yes, grandma. Now, that is not being old-fashioned. It's not being extreme. It's being biblical. 
Because the Bible says it's a way of saying, I honor you as my father, as my mother, as my grandfather, my grandmother. We don't just honor our parents when we're tiny little kids. We honor our parents in our 20s, our 30s, our 40s, our 50s. In fact, one of the things God calls us to do is to finish well with our parents. We are to honor our parents all the way through life. And you may say, well, my mom and dad don't live honorable lives. Maybe your dad ran off with another woman. Maybe your mom drank too much. Whatever. No. Respect is earned. Honor is given. Out of a surrendered and submissive and grateful heart to God, we show honor to our fathers and mothers because it's biblically right to do so. It has nothing to do with what they've done. It has everything to do with the position that God has placed them in. We're to honor our parents. Next group we're to honor are our spouses. 1 Peter 3, you husbands must give honor to your wives. Ephesians 5, each wife is to honor her husband. If you want a common, ordinary marriage, I can tell you how to get one. If you want a common, ordinary marriage, dishonor your spouse. You know, treat them with dishonor and you will have an ordinary marriage. And let me tell you something, an ordinary marriage will not last. Why is it in the early days of the relationship? Why is it that that you're just so close and so much in love and things go so well? It's because you are continually showing honor. I mean, you open the door, you bring flowers, you bring candy, there's presents. Oh, I love you, munchkin. Kiss, kiss, kiss. I mean, you are just showing honor over and over and over again. And then you get married. And you take one another for granted. Instead of showing honor, you treat each other as common. Instead of showing honor, you just treat each other as ordinary. And suddenly, your marriage loses its power. You know why there's no power in your marriage? Because there's dishonor. There's atimos. And it just sucks the power out of your relationship. Next group we're taught to show honor to is those in authority. Those that God has placed above us. Romans 13, 17. says, give everyone what you owe him. If you owe respect, then respect. If honor, then honor. You, know, you show honor to those who are in authority over you. You know, if, you're, if you play sports, if your kids are in sports, you honor the coach. You honor the umpires and the referees. I mean, how countercultural is that? You know, you honor your teachers. You know, those who instruct and educate you, those who instruct and educate your children, you honor the teachers. You honor your boss. You say, oh, I'm smarter than my boss. Well, if you're so smart, then you need to know that the Bible says you honor your boss. I'm going to be boss someday. Well, you learn to be above by learning to be below. You show honor to those in authority. Ladies, if your husband is not a good leader in the home, if he's not a good spiritual leader, honor him. I mean, you treat him as ordinary and common, and he won't feel empowered to lead. But you honor him, watch him grow into the honorable leader that God has called him to be. I mean, I would not be the man, the husband, the father, the grandfather that I am today. Seriously, I would not be what I am today if it were not for the honor that my young wife bestowed on me when we first got married and all the way through our 40 years together. 
I mean, it's just a credit to the honor because honor lifts up. Honor encourages. Honor builds. Honor benefits everyone in the whole family. Dishonor devalues, diminishes, and destroys. You want to destroy your family? Dishonor your spouse. Dishonor the guy who's supposed to be the leader in the home. It's devastating what happens. Next group, on your notes. Hope you'll take this one seriously. We're called by God to show honor to our pastors and our church leaders. Paul told Timothy, the elders who direct the affairs of the church well are worthy of double honor, especially those whose work is preaching and teaching. It's just a biblical mandate that we honor those who are in positions of spiritual leadership. Now, I've got to tell you, one of, the, one of the joys of ministering here at Rockbrook is the fact that you guys get this. I mean, from the very beginning, this church has just been so honoring to me uh, as a pastor. I mean, you guys are great at this. I mean, almost 17 years ago, you know, it's been like, you know, Kelly, if you'll lead us, we'll go. If you're telling us this is what God wants us to do, God wants us to do these purposes, God wants us to, to fulfill these things, we'll go with you. Well, what does that do to me? It makes me think, whoa, I better be listening to God. If I'm going to lead these people, I better be listening. I better be sure I'm taking these people where God wants us to go. And it makes me take seriously the the role that God has put me in. Coming up on February 22nd, uh, we're going to do a pastor's vision event. Saturday morning, 9.30 to 11.30. I want to get as many people together from the church as we can and just lay out where I think God is calling us to go as a church. And we're going to look at the past, we're going to look at the present, and then we're going to kind of rise up and get God's perspective on what God wants us to do as a church. Folks, God is doing amazing things in the world today. In the midst of all the chaos that's happening out there, Christ is building his church, and we get to be a part of it. And I just want to lay that out for you. Now, in regards to honor, here's what I want to encourage you to do. Here's your assignment. Romans 12.10, it just says it so clearly says, love one another with brotherly affection. Now, we know that. We all know that we're supposed to love one another. But look at this next part. Outdo one another in showing honor. We're told to outdo one another in showing honor. You see those serving you every week here at church? Outdo them by showing honor. Those of you who have kids in Rockbrook for kids, you know that someone's giving of their time, they're giving of their talent, their ability to make a spiritual impact on your kids. When you see them, outdo them in showing honor to them. You know, find out their name. Uh, write them a note of encouragement, a little card. Give them a word of praise, a word of thanks. Show honor to the ones who serve you and serve your kids. Those of you in small groups, you know, somebody's opened up their home for you every week as a host. You've got someone who's leading your group every week. You know, it's kind of exciting. Here at Rockbrook, we know one day a week, a lot of homes are going to be clean. <laughs> you know, because you do have people scurrying around a small group tonight, scurrying around, they're cleaning stuff, you know, and you show up and the house is clean. You leave, the house is dirty. Show honor to the people that are hosting, people who are leading that. Uh, You want a great marriage, outdo each other in honoring one another. Lift them up, encourage them, show value to them, and then watch them grow into what you have spoken in faith about them. And I want to take a moment and just honor some people here uh, today. I just want to practice this for you. The first person I want to honor is my wife, Katie. I mean, Katie is the most godly woman I know. 
And I am forever indebted to her for her faithfulness, her prayer, her support. This church would not be here if it were not for that woman. And I mean that, I mean that seriously. I mean, I, just to honor her for all the private sacrifices that she's made over the years. I mean, you think it's easy being a pastor's wife? You think it's easy being a church planter's wife? You think it's easy being my wife? You know, when we got married, you know, as a young couple, this pastor thing wasn't even on the horizon. She didn't sign up for this. And so it's been a huge deal for her, and I just want to honor her and thank her for what she's done over the years. Uh, I want to honor my staff, the people who serve with me so faithfully. I mean, Bob Terry, Tom Stoltz, Andrew Walter, Ryland Walter, Kenny Baum, Don Ratney, Susan Lorimer, Kathy Farrow, Letitia Hall. I'm going to stop there because I'm going to forget somebody. But I'm going to honor my staff. And if I've forgotten your name, that doesn't mean I don't love you. You know, as a little kid, my mom often forgot my name, but I knew she loved me. You know, for the first five years, I thought she thought I was my brother Gary. Okay? But mom loved me, and I, I love my staff. Uh, I honor our directors, Kyle Westergaard, Jason Slover, Steve Wilson, the guys who help lead this church. And those guys, they are precious. They are valuable to me as leaders. And I want to honor you guys. I mean, I just want to honor you. Rockbrook is one of the best churches on the planet. I mean, it has just been a, an amazing ride. I mean, I said, let's, let's go start a church in the park, and you guys did it. So let's go meet in the movie theater, and you guys did it. Let's build an office warehouse, and you guys did it. Let's do a country music service on Saturday night, and you guys did it. Didn't work out so well, but you did it. And just a few weeks ago, in December, we said, let's add a fifth service, a second Saturday night service, and you guys did it. That has worked. It's been amazing, even in the midst of the blizzards and the football games and the holidays and all the stuff, adding that service has bumped our attendance by 150, almost another 200 people. It's been amazing what you guys have done. You guys are generous, you are courageous, you are faithful, and I honor you for that because it's a value, it's precious to me. And most of all, I honor Jesus Christ. I mean, if it were not for the work that Christ has done in my heart and in your heart, none of this would have happened. Jesus Christ deserves the honor and the glory for all of this. Now, why is it that we are a culture without honor? Write this down. The reason our culture is dishonoring is because people aren't honoring God. All true honor flows out of a heart surrendered to the King of Kings. Psalm 22 says, You who fear the Lord, praise Him. All you descendants of Jacob, honor Him. Revere him, all you descendants of Israel. See, the problem in our day is, is that we are treating God as common. We're too familiar with him. We're too chummy. We view him as too ordinary. He's the big guy upstairs. He's the big man. Jesus is my homeboy. Jesus is not your homeboy. Jesus Christ is the King of kings, the Lord of lords, who is returning to rule and reign. Jesus Christ is the one who shed his blood so that you could have eternal life. Jesus Christ is the one who has written his name on our hearts. And because his name is written on our hearts, we have value. We have value. When we get that, we will reclaim the forgotten virtue of honor. Now, I don't know if you know this or not, but I think there's some kind of a big football game tonight. Okay? But I want to talk to you for a moment about baseball. Any baseball fans uh, in the house here? Yeah, some of you. How many of you have heard of Babe Ruth? 
Not, not the candy bar, but the, the baseball guy. Okay, good, everybody, so you'll get this. There were seven home run bats that were autographed by Babe Ruth. Seven home run bats that he autographed. And the very first bat was lost for decades and nobody knew where it was. Now, what happened was he had signed the bat and then his agent used it as a prize for a, a promotional home run contest. And the guy who won it, they gave him the bat, and then the guy took off, and they lost track of it. Nobody knew how famous Babe Ruth was going to be in that day, and they just lost track of that bat. But the guy who won it took it home, and he kept that bat as an honored possession all his life. And on his deathbed, he'd outlived everybody else in his family, and so on his deathbed, he gave it to the nurse who cared for him in his last days. He said, you've been so sweet to me, cared for me. Uh, here, uh, this, is, uh, this has been precious to me. And she knew nothing about baseball. So she took it home, and for 18 years, she kept it under her bed in case there was a burglar. <laughs> okay? You know, I mean, the, you know, the place, it, it, it's not honored. It's, it's not necessarily in a place of dishonor. It's just stuck under the bed with the dust bunnies. She falls on hard times financially. And it dawns on her, I wonder if that bat is worth anything. That old guy thought it was pretty precious. And so she took it down to the sports store, and the guy's eyes got big, and he called in experts, and they determined, yes, this is the first of the seven autographed bats by Babe Ruth. And in 2006, they put it up for auction, and it sold for $1.3 million. And so that nurse took some of the money, and she started a restaurant to provide for her and her family. She took the rest of the $1.3 million and used it to start a foundation that ministered to kids that Babe Ruth had wanted to minister to uh, during his career. And a reporter asked her, he says, why did you give all that money away? Listen to what she said. The bat was only valuable because Babe Ruth's name was on it. So the only reasonable thing I could do was something that would honor his life because he made it valuable. You are valuable because Jesus Christ has written his name on your heart. The only reasonable response we have is to live our lives in such a way that we bring honor to Jesus Christ who gave us value. Now sadly, here's what the Bible says is, is true of so many of us today. Isaiah 29, 13. These people come near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. I do not want us to be a people who give God lip service. I want us to be a people who give God heart honor because we understand what he has done for us. He's truly worthy of honor and glory and praise. And when we realize who we are because of what Jesus Christ has done for us, then we will see the value in other people and we will show honor to them. Because every person was valuable enough for Jesus Christ to die for them. They are worthy of honor. When we know and honor Christ for who he is and what he did, we will reclaim the forgotten virtue of honor. In this world, our country will become more like what God wants it to be. Let's pray together. God, I, I ask that you would just plant this message deep in our hearts today. And maybe as you're praying today, you'd say, I have to admit, I've been dishonoring. 
maybe to my parents, maybe to my spouse, maybe to my boss, maybe to spiritual leaders. Maybe you haven't been just blatantly dishonoring, but you really haven't intentionally shown honor. And so today, the Spirit of God is convicting you that that to truly honor God, I must truly honor others. Would you just say, God, God, I pray you would change my heart. Help me to be more honoring. If that's your prayer, would you just put your hand up right now and say, God, I want to be more honoring in my life in all my situations. Just put it up. Yes, thank you. And now I want to take this just a little bit deeper, and I want to ask you this question. Is your life honoring God? Are you honoring God with your life? Let me tell you how God honored you. While you were still sinners, while you, while you were a, an enemy of God, estranged from God, God sent His Son, Jesus Christ. And Christ came and shed His blood on the cross. He died for your sins so you could be forgiven, so you could have new life, so you could have value and be precious to God. His name could, is written on your heart. And maybe you recognize that your life is not honoring God, and, and, and that's why God has brought you here today. God has brought you here so you could call out to him and say, God, forgive me. God, transform me. Jesus, come into my life. I want to make you my Lord. I honor you by giving you my life. If that's your prayer today, if you, say, if you want to say, Christ, come in, make me brand new. Be, be the Lord, be the leader of my life. I honor you. Would you just put your hand up? Say, yes, Jesus, I want that. Would you just pray in the quietness of your heart and say, Father, save me from my sins. Make me brand new. Today I choose to honor you by asking Christ to be my Savior, to be my Lord. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.